This is episode number 301 with data scientist Ayobami Ayodeji. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. This episode is brought to you by Data Science Go 2020. This Sunday, we just finished Data Science Go 2019. A very exciting time. I met a lot of people. Uh, we had over 600 people actually attend, actually not just register, but actually check into the event. We also had dozens of exciting speakers, multiple workshops, and lots and lots of fun meeting and networking with each other. So if you're up for Data Science Go 2020, then make sure to grab your tickets already this week. We have a super early bird promotion going on. You can get your tickets with a whopping 80% off. Just head on over to datasciencego.com and you can grab your tickets there. The event is going to be bigger, faster, stronger, better next year. It's going to be even more exciting than this year. So you don't want to miss out. Secure your tickets and come and meet us next year so we can all grow and learn together. Can't wait to see you at Data Science Go 2020. Grab your tickets today at www.datasciencego.com and I'll see you there. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Super pumped to have you back here on the show today. Today is a very special episode, not only because we're kicking off the next 100 episodes. This is number 301, but also because this episode was recorded at Data Science Go 2019. So, uh... Data Science Go 2018 just ended. Uh, this is today is I'm recording this on the final day. And a few hours earlier, I sat down with IO and we had this uh, fantastic chat. So in today's episode, what you will find out first, IO will share some takeaways with you from Data Science Go 2019. So if you were unable to attend this year, this is going to give you some really cool insights into some of the takeaways that he got. And I think they'll be very valuable for you too. So there were three main topics we discussed, which were productization of data science products. Uh, number two was data science teams. And you'll find out about three types of data science teams, uh, the innovator team, the partner team, and the engineer team. And then we will talk about building character, what you do when no one's looking, and also about resilience and how that is important in a career. So those are the three main topics uh, that came from Data Science Go. Also, you will learn about Ayo's background and how he went from a project manager, uh, from a project management background, so he's PMP certified, to a data scientist. And what it took, how much he sacrificed, what an incredible career he sacrificed to make that move into data science, and you'll find out why. And also, we will talk about, towards the end, we'll talk about project management in data science. So there you go, a very interesting podcast coming up. Can't wait for you to meet our guest today. So without any further ado, I bring to you data scientist Ayobami Ayodeji. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Super excited to have you on the show. Today we've got a very special guest, Ayobami Ayodeji. Ayo, how are you going? 
Good, good. Good. Where are we, Ayo? We are at Data Science Go, Data which Science is amazing. Go. It's been an amazing experience so day far. Day two, right? Yeah. They, well, actually, day three. Day three. Oh, yeah. Were you at the workshops? I was at a workshop, yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. You were at the table workshop as well. I was at the table workshop, oh, yeah. Cool. That was, was really good. There was quite a lot of people. That was interesting um, for me because um, I actually do use Tableau literally yeah. every day at work. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, it was obviously, you know, you wanted it to be basic, right? Yeah, People yeah. that have no experience. But and I warned everybody. I was like, this yeah. is going to be a basic workshop. If, <laughs> yeah. if this is too easy for you, go to the second workshop that's in parallel. Yeah, like it was good. Um, I think it was a good thing I was there because I was actually able to help people around me like, like, oh, on yeah, the same okay, table yeah. Yeah. Um, you know people who have never used Tableau before so yeah. that was fun it's always nice helping people right so. I love that I love that <laughs> we I was expecting like only around 20 people to show up I think we had like what like 40 50 yeah, people yeah over 40 people I and think. and of course when you have a room of that size even though like I tried to do a basic workshop there are people who are going ahead falling behind I really enjoyed that you, Ogo, and some other people um, were jumping up and actually helping, helping out, out yeah. others. Jonathan was also helping out. And that was really inspiring. So instead of like just sitting there and being, a, you know, like, oh, okay, I, I'm way ahead way of everybody. Ahead, yeah. Everybody was helping each other. That was so cool. What, what, what made you do that? Like, why did you volunteer to help others? Honestly, um, one of the big things that I love about data science is that everyone is willing to share. Yeah. Like, just think about open source, yeah. that one word. Like, there's so many organizations putting in a lot of money into developing new products and just sharing it with the world, right? Yeah. Like, you have people with a GitHub profile, like, um, writing a lot of different, really innovative code and just sharing it. Mm -hmm. So just the fact that data science in general is a very sharing profession, yeah. um, that's one of the things I like about data science. And that's one thing I like, I, I see myself doing. Um, I'm not an expert in data science. I yeah. kind of just got into the field not very long ago. But um, being able to help people even at this level makes me feel really good. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think that is? Like it, this is not to say there's no other fields like this. I'm sure there are. But I don't often see in general like a community that is everybody wants to help. Like why do you think that is? Um, I think a big part is, um, so a lot of people um, in data science don't have a computer science background. Mm -hmm. um, it, I feel like it's a really good entry point for people that are not from a technical background to get into a technical um, kind of role. So in order to do that, people need a lot of help. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the organizations that are you know, promoting data science and trying to democratize data science, and even the individuals that are doing that, probably got a lot of help from other people in the yeah. first place, right? Yeah. So it's kind of a, a classic case of paying it forward. Yeah. You know, you get something good and you actually want to help out other people as well. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things. And also, um, it just feels really good yeah. helping, you know, and like actually putting it work into something and getting other people to use it. Uh -huh. It's just pretty much increases the impact that you're able to make because yeah. a lot of data scientists the main goal or one of the big goals is to create impact. Yeah. So the more people that use your code, the more impact your work yeah. actually has. That's true. That's true. And you get a sense, like you mentioned, like a sense of contribution when you help someone. It feels good. Yeah, it does. Interesting. <laughs> so um, 
Yeah, so day signs go. How are you feeling? It's really good. Three days. Yeah, three days. Um, you know, um, learning a lot for sure. Um, learning quite a bit of technical stuff, but yeah. also some of the soft skills, right? Yeah. Learning a little bit more about some of the things that you need yeah. in data science. Um, I think one of the big ones for me was how to easily put data science products into production. Mm -hmm. There's actually been a few um, lectures about that, yeah. pretty much focus on that. Um, and then also... One of them was by, by um, John Peach. Yeah, I yeah, think. I but think from Amazon. From Amazon, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he was um, talking about one of the new Amazon products yeah. um, that allows you to, you know, pretty much simplify the process of production and lies in your models and stuff. Yeah. Um, there was another one, um, one we just had, um, um, someone from Google. Uh -huh. um, he was, he talked about... Someone from Google was talking about also production. Yeah, so uh, he said something about uh, Kubernetes. Um, and, um, you know, some of the, um, you know, technology and yeah. um, like he was pretty much encouraging us to go out there and do some more research on how to production, like automate the process of production analyzing your yeah. code. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that was pretty good. Are you taking notes? Oh, yeah, definitely. Lots of notes. <laughs> Lots of notes. <laughs> that's important. There's so many talks. Yeah, actually, um, that's actually one thing I'd like to mention to people listening on this podcast. Um in the past, I didn't really used to take a lot of notes. Yeah. And I noticed that not a lot of people actually do that. Yeah. I actually noticed that in this conference as well, not a lot of people were actually taking notes, but notes are really important. I agree. Because the next day you're trying to think about what you learned, but like, honestly, there's no way you can remember everything, mm. right? But when you take notes- and How many talks did you attend yesterday on Saturday? A lot. Yeah, <laughs> like, at least even, like seven. Exactly, right? like how do you even start? Like, yeah. like how do you even begin to remember the stuff that you learned, yeah, right? Yeah. So taking notes is really important. If you only take one thing out yeah. of this episode, <laughs> always take notes. It's so worth it. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> it's it's not not only there's something to go back to and look at, but also while you're writing, you remember better. Yes. You like your retention. If you don't take notes, I heard somewhere that like it's about 20%. As soon as you start writing, it goes yeah. up to like 50 to 70% retention. Yeah, and uh, there's actually this concept of dual encoding of um, learning, of your learning process. Mm. So for example, if you're reading something and at the same time you're listening to it or you're listening to something and you're writing it, it's two different ways for your brain mm -hmm. to, um, it's, it's probably maybe two times or maybe a lot more than two times yeah. of actually retaining mm -hmm. what you're trying to learn. So one of the ways to improve your learning or speed up your learning is to learn it using, you know, two different ways or multiple different ways. Yeah. And taking notes, just like you said, is one of the ways you can actually do all encode what you're learning. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, all right. So productization of data science. That's yeah. an important topic. A lot of data scientists don't really think about that. Like it's like, okay, project <laughs> insights done. But yeah. actually, if you build a model that needs to go in production and what, I always struggled with this word at the start when I learned it years ago, production basically means, what does production mean in your well, world? Production is pretty much putting it in a kind of state where it can be used over time. Mm -hmm. um, so say, for example, depending on what the business case is, yeah. like for example, if it's a uh, machine learning solution within a software, yeah. um, being able to take that model that you built yeah. and put it into a software. Uh -huh. Or if it's for an organization, being able to put it in some kind of server so people yeah. can actually use that model to make decision yeah. over time. So it's ongoing. Once. So it's exactly. not just like a one-off. Sometimes data science is a one-off analysis. Yeah. You give insights, great. 
But if you develop a model, right, that needs to be, for instance, a churn model or a segmentation model that needs to be used by the business daily or weekly or monthly, that needs to be put into production environment. And yeah. Basically a server that is governed by the IT department and your model is sitting there. Mm -hmm. They make sure it's working, the data is going in, it's yeah. coming out, that yeah. everything is working fine. It has its runtime during the night and things like that. It's a whole different story, right? Yeah. Doing the project is, you know, I don't know, it might take you two weeks, but it'll take another two weeks to put that into production. Yeah. Exactly. And another thing that I really learned from this um, experience was the fact that another thing you want to consider apart from the making it production ready is also making it in a way that you can actually redeploy mm -hmm. because a lot of the time you know your model is probably going to degrade over time so having that strategy to redeploy or update your model is also really important yeah thinking about that in advance yeah exactly so what kind of <laughs> strategies did you learn um for redeploying for updating models uh, well, I can't really think of one up the top of my head, but I think one of the first steps is to recognize the importance of doing that because obviously over time, um, you know, the models degrade, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, okay, so I think one of the speakers actually talked about coming up with a system or a pipeline to whenever you get new data, put it into the infrastructure and put in, make it in a way that you can actually retrain your model uh -huh. based on the new data. So uh -huh. there's various ways you can do it. You can do it like like a batch process. Yeah. So say for example, you get X amount of data, yeah. you can retrain it using that batch or you can actually make it live if yeah. you want. So there's different strategies for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, obviously data science is a research field. Um, mm -hmm. You need to figure out what the best strategy is for your use case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure, for sure. Um, and a lot of people don't think about that either, that yeah. the model is deployed, but over time. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and also continuous mon monitoring. Yeah. So say, for example, um, you know, how do you know when to redeploy it or yeah. when to improve it, right? Um, if you're working in an organization where you're building, you know, hundreds of models, how do you know which model to focus on to redeploy? So yeah. coming up with a way to monitor your models in a really easy way, make it visual, figure out which models you need to focus on is yeah. another key thing, right? So that's something else you need to consider yeah. um, when you're making these data science projects. Yeah, yep. okay. Um, what, what are some of the reasons why models can deteriorate? Did they mention anything about that? Um, yeah, you know, like sometimes um, the data, like, you know, the fundamental structure of whatever the data source is. Maybe, yeah. for example, you're looking at customer data if the customers change over time, yeah. right? Um, the, the model that you had that you trained on isn't really applicable to the new situation, yeah. right? So that's one of the examples. So wh whenever there's a change in the data set, yeah. or um, you know, say for example, you need to add more features. Yeah, um, yeah you need to add more features. Then uh, that's, that's another reason, right? So you get new features that pretty much changes the structure of the model. Uh -huh. um, yeah, there's a lot of different reasons why. Yeah, um, like so. If you change the features, uh, new customers. So old customers, or anyway, new customers join. They yeah. might have different, or you might still have the same customers. But what I've seen before, like I've discussed with data scientists when I was in the industry, was when uh, there's just a cha general change in the preferences of the population, right? Like for instance, your customers are the same. Like I worked in um, superannuation, like a pension fund, where your customers don't change that much, right? Like if they're with you, they're with you for. For a long time, unless you know, 
you you really provide bad service, which is rare. So customers re rarely move around there. But the thing is, there might be a general change in preference of like, okay, that was a trend before. I don't know. Um, people would people would want to behave or purchase certain things now it's just normal that like fashion has changed yeah or sentiments has changed yeah exactly legislation could also change right yeah. if your industry is affected by legislation you know like for instance in my industry if they change the date the age when somebody goes to pension yeah you all of a sudden now you have more customers or less customers or they behave differently again exactly yeah so lots of reasons can affect your model Cool, cool. What other talks? What other talks did you enjoy? Um, I also like the talks talks that were revolved around a data science team. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, some of the things that it's expected from a data science team or the different structures of data science teams. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned a lot about that. Um, I think one of the big things that I'm trying to focus on in my career mm -hmm. is to implement... Um, better ways of doing data science. Mm -hmm. So my background is in engineering and project management. Mm. Um, so like just part of the process of trying to figure out how to leverage my strength in within this um, industry yeah. is, um, so I have project management experience, um, learning how to take different things and put it, in, put it together into one um, deliverable yeah. or one project goal, yeah. um, I kind of want to be able to do that kind of stuff with data science as well. Mm -hmm. So I learned about different types of data science teams and, you know, different expectations, um, different ways to communicate with management mm -hmm. and different ways to, um, to promote data science, um, how to be a da better data-driven organization. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things that you don't consider. So you decide, okay, Everyone's making decisions based on data, right? But how do I even start? Mm -hmm. How do you take your organization the way it is right now and make it a more data-driven team, mm -hmm. um, data-driven organization? So some of the things to consider, like for example, you know, you need to make it really important to get people to understand that the data is is a fuel, mm -hmm. right? You don't want to lose the data. You don't like the old mentality of trying to get rid of as much data as possible to conserve space. Mm -hmm. um, in this day and age, it's really, really cheap to mm -hmm. store data, right? Yeah. So data is an asset. So getting your organization to understand the importance of data, of data and then also finding ways to democratize the analysis of data, getting mm -hmm. more people more familiar, more comfortable, you know, mm -hmm. using data products. Mm -hmm. So for example, Tableau, mm -hmm. right? How do you train, get people into using tools like that by themselves, not just depending on data science team, but actually democratizing the analysis of data. That's another big one. Um, and then one of the big things that they mentioned was the importance of having it come from the executive level mm -hmm. because you need support from the top. Mm -hmm. Data science is a science, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time at the beginning, you have no idea whether or not the product is going to be successful, right? Mm -hmm. Or you don't know how long it's going to take. So having that support from the top, um, pretty much takes some of that risk and some of that pressure mm -hmm. from you because you don't always have to answer, okay, so what did I do last week? You know, mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, you need to consider the concept of minimum viable product. Mm -hmm. That also helps, right? It also helps build confidence because if you're able to come up with some kind of simple model earlier on and coming up with a strategy to build on that also helps. But being a data-driven organization um, it's really important to 
have that support from the top mm -hmm. because that goes a long way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow, very cool. <laughs> you mentioned, it looks, looks like a lot of, yeah. Yeah, I learned things. a lot for sure. I'm looking forward to going over my notes again, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you mentioned two, or not two, you mentioned a few, you learned about a few types of data science teams. Yeah. Uh, could you just share a bit about that? Okay, so, um, so, okay, so one of them, for example, is that she mentioned was the innovator mm -hmm. um, um, data science team, which is, is more- this Michelle uh, Kime? Uh, I think it just happened. I don't really remember her oh, name, okay, but it's okay. actually it's still happening. Well, it was happening when I left. But um, so the innovator, innovator data science team um, involves research, right? Yeah. So that's pretty much, I think that's where a lot of the PhD data yeah. scientists come in. So they're responsible for coming up with the next generation, mm. new algorithms or new kinds of products from some of the latest algorithms coming from the papers. Yeah. So once all the biggest skills that they need for those are like mach advanced machine learning skills, yeah. um, machine learning and stat, stat skills, yeah. and also, you know, cloud computing skills, you know, maybe they need a little less of data visualization, storytelling. Um, they need a little less of being able to work with um, the product management teams, uh -huh. but they need to have that strong, um, that strong technical skill. Okay. And to be able to innovate, right? Yeah. And then there's the other one, which is, um, I think is the part partner um, structure, where you actually work really close with the product, product managers yeah. within the organization. And you're responsible for providing sometimes ad hoc, but also designing things like A and B testing mm -hmm. for, so say for example, the product manager is trying to figure out what feature should we implement within this, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to do, help them with things like A and B testing, you know, making predictions um, to help them make the decision. So this is, I think this is probably where most of the data science teams are. Um, you're sitting right next to the product managers and supporting them with their requirements. Mm -hmm. And then I think the third one was, um, I think it was more like a data engineer kind of mm. um, project management team where you work closely with the engineers. So mm. the software engineers, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so your partners are the software, maybe the software engineering managers. So you work with them closely. You build models that are easy to deploy. Like mm. I mentioned before, um, you're probably more involved with software development part mm. of things. So. You know, you need to pretty much think about your organization, what your needs are, mm -hmm. um, and then based on that, you can build a data science team. Well, it sounds like a, a talk more for executives or, Probably, or yeah. leaders. Yeah. Well, what value did you get out of it? I got a lot of value because like I said, I'm trying to see how I can, you know, build um, from my product management experience, um, yeah. how to better leverage data science yeah. within my organization. Yeah at a high level, yeah. right? So learning about the different ways you can have data science teams yeah. was actually really good for me. Um, I think a lot of executives, um, I think more and more executives are recognizing the importance of being data literate. Yeah. So a lot of um, executives know a lot of the stuff that I'm learning now, yeah. but um, my experience involves a lot of implementation yeah. and making things happen in environments that are not really used to those kinds of processes. So learning about different ways we can incorporate data science within an organization is really important for me. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not as much the technical stuff because there's all the ways to learn the technical stuff, but learning that high level management um, 
you know, kind of things that you need in order to actually build a data culture and build a data-driven organization is really important to me. So mm. that's why, you know, yeah, it, this has been a really good um, uh, conference for sure. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. um, and you also mentioned uh, before the podcast that you enjoyed the, uh, there was a motivational talk at the start by Antonio Neves. Yeah. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Like, very different, right? I think he actually, he doesn't, so he's a, he was a keynote speaker for today, and no. he doesn't have a data science background at all. He's no, he doesn't. more like of a career background. Right? What did you learn from him? Um, so I learned a lot about um, the importance of what do you do when no one's looking? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what do you do? You know, when you think about that, the first thing you think is, what does it matter what you do when no one's looking? Yeah. You know what I mean? But the truth is, a lot of the time, there's people actually watching you. I think the real question is, what do you do when you think no one's looking? Yeah. Because you never know who's watching you. You never know what opportunities are out there. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, you know, we all try to think that we don't judge, mm -hmm. you know, like we said, or like, I don't judge people like based on their appearance or whatever. Yeah. But the truth is, that's what happens, right? Yeah. That's just a reality. Um, you know, we can try to fight it and be like, I don't judge people or like people shouldn't judge people based yeah. on their cover or yeah. whatever. Um, but that's just the reality. So yeah. the way you present yourself, the way you, you look. The way you talk. The way you talk. How you dress. How you, the way you dress, exactly. How, goes, yeah, how you approach people. <laughs> approach people, exactly. So um, those things are really important. So the question is, what do you do when you think no one's looking? Mm. So... Are you that guy that showed up on time or are you that guy that didn't show up? Yeah. Um, you paid for this conference, right? You probably went out last night, mm -hmm. you know, probably didn't wake up on time yeah. to get to attend that keynote speaker, yeah. um, for example. Um, so no one's looking. Yeah. Some people got their organizations to pay for this, but probably didn't show up for the morning, the very first um, yeah, discussion kind of thing. You think no one's looking, but like, you know, you never know what you could learn. So I think the main key was, okay, who's, even when there's no one looking at you, yeah. right? Even if it does happen and no one's actually yeah. watching you. Yeah. It's really important to develop yourself. Yeah. So some of the things that you do, like, for example, attend those lectures yeah. or actually go out of your way to come to conferences like this yeah. or some of the stuff that you do to actually learn machine learning. Yeah. Um, no one really sees when you're doing that. But sometimes those are the things that really matter because um, it's one thing to be in an organization and do all this fancy stuff. Um, you know, those are the things that people are looking at, right? But how do you even learn or get to be able to do that stuff? Yeah. It's the stuff that you do when no one's looking yeah. that allows you to do that. So, for example, um, for me, I know... I don't come from a computer science background, yeah. for example, but the amount of work that I had to do in the background that no one knows yeah. is um, pretty much what helped me be here, yeah. for example. So just knowing that, you know, the importance of, like, you never know who's watching. You never know what you could possibly do that could possibly change your life. You never know what lecture mm. could possibly change your life. Um, so those are some of the things that he talked about. He also talked about the importance of resilience mm. and grit. So say, for example, um, if you fail at something, what's your immediate reaction? Mm. What's if you your fail. Exactly. If you fail at something, right? So it's really important 
in data science and pretty much every other profession that whenever you fail, learn how to pick yourself up because mm -hmm. those are really important skills because if you're not failing, if you're not doing stuff that makes you uncomfortable, you're probably not growing. Mm -hmm. So if you push yourself to the limit, you know, you do something different, you try to like just push yourself, stretch yourself to that next point, to the point that you're not comfortable, um, you actually learn a lot from that. Sometimes you'll fail, but you'll be surprised at how often you actually learn. So one of the key notes was find your edge. Find your edge. If you're on the edge of the cliff, you're super uncomfortable. But if you're not on, if you're not on your edge, um, you're probably taking too much space. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things I said. If you're not at your edge, you're probably taking too much space. So find that edge, find that next thing that can actually take you to the next level. And you'll be surprised at some of the amazing things you can do. And I personally, I've done a lot of that. Um, I'm finding that I'm learning a lot more about things like this recently. Um, this is actually the third conference I'm attending in the last two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, it's not so much about the technical skills, to yeah. be honest, like this, they were all tech, well, actually, the two of them were tech conferences, but it's not just about the, the, the technical skills that you learn from these, but some of the soft skills also. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the stuff that I'm learning actually really resonate with me because those are a lot of the things that I'm already doing. Mm -hmm. But being able to you know, come to a place like this and actually structure, have a structure for that is really going a long way. And it's really good to, you know, some of the things that I've been doing are, are the right things, but knowing the right things to do now I know that, you know, maybe I need to keep doing this, you know, keep finding that edge. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully we're all successful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, fantastic. Uh, I love both of those and doing things you're uncomfortable with, failing. And the first one where you, what do you do when no one's looking? Um, it's like, for example, if you're, if you're a person who, I don't know, leaves your clothes lying around your apartment when no one's looking, you know, you know, you're going to be by yourself for like a week or so, then that just becomes part of your character. Exactly. Right? And then when, when people are looking, you're going to have to put an extra effort to clean up and make sure. And, 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 you know, you just got to know that about yourself, that you're messy in terms of more a data science related example. For instance, when I'm coding something, I make sure to follow a certain convention that I've developed for myself of how I code, of how the code is structured, that it's clean, that I put comments, that I, um, you know, like it might make, take me extra effort to, to do it properly and not take shortcuts, but I force myself as much as I can to do that because I know that builds my character. And even though no one's looking, that's just how I'm going to code in the future. Yeah, right? exactly. That's so, really good. That's a good point, actually. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, uh, there's two parts to it, I guess, personality and character. Personality is how others perceive you, which is important, especially yeah. in this day and age where we live mostly in big cities and we meet lots of people all the time. And there's just no way around it. You have to have, have a good personality in order to, for people to want to engage with you. But what comes out to the top after you start building a deeper connection is your character, mm -hmm. something that was really valued back in the uh 19th century when we lived in small cities and everybody knew each other and character was the most important thing uh now it's less valued but it's still there like it will come out Definitely. Eventually. it will come out eventually yeah for sure honestly um you can't get to a certain level without 
a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, I th- I th- I'm a strong believer that there's no sub- substitute for hard work. Um, it's not all about talent or whatever. Um, people that are not classified as talented have done amazing things from hard work, right? Yeah. And, you know, just like you said, the character stuff, um, having that hardworking character really goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, uh, somebody said, I forgot who said that uh, genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Perspiration, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's good. Um, okay, Aya, thank you for the quick rundown. I think that will be very helpful for those who were at Data Science Go to recap on some yeah. things and those who weren't to like get some takeaways even, even though they didn't uh, make it to the event. Uh, but now I wanted to switch a little bit. The, tell us a bit about yourself. So you said you've got an engineering and product management background. Project management, yeah. Project, sorry, project management. Um, how and why did you get into Data Science? Okay, so... Um, this was not long ago, right? This was not long ago. How long ago? Okay, as a professional, yeah. um, two and a half months ago. Two and a half months ago, no! <laughs> yeah, oh. two and a half wow, months ago. Wow, when you said two and a half, I thought you were going to say years. <laughs> no. Wow, that's so cool. Um, yeah, pretty vanilla here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you and as an amateur, like you were learning before that? Yeah, okay, so just a bit of my background. So I studied industrial engineering. That was my undergrad. Um, well, sorry, where where is you from Toronto, right? I'm from Toronto, from Canada. Okay, yeah. you you flew here from Toronto. I flew here from Toronto for this. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool, man. That is awesome. Yep. Yeah, really cool. Thank you. I'm really like, yeah. humbled that you came all the way from Toronto for this. Yeah. Okay. So, um, actually, I moved to Canada about twelve years ago for my undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a family that owns manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a, in a plant. I've mm-hmm. always been a manufacturing person. Mm. Where, where did you grow up? Nigeria. Okay. So I wanted to learn more about manufacturing mm-hmm. and making processes, manufacturing processes better. Mm-hmm. So I decided to study industrial engineering, which um, pretty much focuses on optimization and making things better, mm-hmm. processes, machines, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was why I studied industrial engineering. I went to University of Windsor because I wanted to work in the automotive industry. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work for one of the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the big three? So GM, Ford, and Chrysler. Okay. Automotive um, organizations. So um, I went to Windsor, um, studied industrial engineering. Um, I got to work at BlackBerry mm. for one of my internships. Um, I'd like to mention one of the biggest life-changing experiences for me was my internship because I was working at BlackBerry, mm-hmm. which is, it was always known as an innovative organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I started there in 2010 mm-hmm. as an intern. And I remember that when I started, I think it was about a couple of weeks after I started, the BlackBerry brand had just gone to, I, I think it was the first time they made the top 10 most valuable brands in the world or oh, something wow. like that. And that was pretty much a couple of, like a month after I started. And by the time I was done, BlackBerry was down. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to experience BlackBerry at the top and BlackBerry, like just saw the whole organization go from the top to... Plummeting down. It's just plummeting down. How long were you there for? I was there for a year and a half. In a year and a half. In a year and a half. That was like... Honestly, the time of the iPhone, yeah? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And that 
experience you cannot find anywhere else. Like it was just so life changing. And obviously the reason why was because um, I think one of the big reasons, my opinion, was that they weren't focusing as much on the customers as they should have. Yeah. And they weren't innovating, innovating like the other organizations. Right. So yeah. I got to see what happens when you don't innovate, when you don't push yourself, when you don't live on that edge yeah. as much as you should. So that was a big life-changing experience for me. They were taking up too much space. They were, they were taking, that was pretty much what was happening. They were taking up too much space. And, and that space got taken away. This space just got sucked away from them. Yeah. It was amazing seeing that happen. Yeah. Like, yeah, so pretty much that's why, I think that's probably the biggest reason why I'm so driven right now. Like I'm always trying to find the best like how to improve myself every day because I don't want to be BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah. So I, I finished my internship, finished my undergrad, and then I got my dream. Yeah. I got to work for Chrysler. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> so I worked there for a year and a half, well, two years, actually. And uh, well, I think one of the big things that I learned, I learned a lot about you know, being a professional and all that kind of stuff, engineering, optimizing processes. But one of the big ones that I think were more... Um, transferable was the people skills. Oh, okay. Because my job was to make processes more efficient. Yeah. In an organization that was unionized, I didn't like, like the, the people on the floor didn't really like that because it meant that they had to do more work. Mm. Um, so learning how to understand people's personalities, their motivations, and using that to get them to do what you need them to do. Even when you're not in a position of power, I was a new grad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and these are people that have been there for years and years, like decades. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to learn how to deal with different kinds of people and get them to do what I needed them to do. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my experience at Chrysler. And then I started working at Magna, which mm -hmm. is one of the largest automobiles. Before we move on to that, what's, what's your one biggest tip on how to, I, like, I love how you put it, getting people to do what you want them to do not while you're not in a position of power. Yeah. What's your one biggest tip for someone? Because the data science, that's often the case we face. We're yeah. dealing with executives or managers or other line managers or team managers in other divisions that don't understand data science, don't understand statistical significance, don't maybe don't understand uh, the implications of the insights that we're conveying. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need to convince them to do certain things, yeah. but we're not in a position of power. So exactly. what's your one tip on how to do that? Okay, so I think one of the big things to start is uh, the way you present yourself, mm. right? Um, I think, you know, the way you present yourself goes a really long way. Um, so present yourself in a way that, number one, people feel comfortable yeah. with, and also, so that, that's the one thing at the beginning. And then the next one is to try to really empathize with that person and try to understand what they're feeling and what their motivations are mm -hmm. and try to figure out, you know, which one of those are actually valid and which ones are not. Mm -hmm. And learning how to explain mm -hmm. in a respectful way why some of their concerns are not exactly valid. Mm -hmm. And then using that to get them to understand that okay, maybe we can just try this. Let's yeah. try this. Let's see what happens, mm -hmm. right? It's also important to have that character of um, uh, having a good reputation mm -hmm. because if, for example, you've done some optimization or some work in other places, it's easier to get people to believe you and actually tune into some of your ideas because having a good reputation really helps. Mm -hmm. um, so I think those are the main things that I think can work in any situation 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like the one you said, uh, dispel their fears and concerns. Yeah. The ones that are not valid. <laughs> yeah. Help them get rid of them. That's good. That's powerful. Yeah. Okay. So what happened next? Yeah. So, and then I went to Magna. Um, I wanted a role that allowed me to have um, bigger responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So um, I was a process engineer. Mm-hmm. I was responsible for optimizing um, um, a bunch of stuff. Um, for example, how do we get materials? In order to make a car, you need to make the parts. Mm-hmm. But in order to make the parts that Magna makes, you need to get the components from somewhere else. So mm-hmm. how do we package those components the best way, considering a bunch of factors? Mm-hmm. And then how do you get them from the supplier to a storage location within the plant and then from the storage location to the production floor. Mm-hmm. So pretty much streamlining that process, considering a whole bunch of constraints. Uh, that was pretty much my job. Mm-hmm. So there, again, I got to apply the knowledge that I got from Chrysler mm-hmm. because some of the products I worked on were quite transformative. Mm-hmm. Um, they were a completely different way of storing materials and moving materials through the plant. So I learned a lot more about implementation. Like how do you implement a large scale um, change management kind of project, right? So I did that. And then while I was doing that, I decided that I wanted to do, go into project management. Mm-hmm. So I did a one year program while I was working full time mm-hmm. um, at the University of Toronto in project management. Mm-hmm. And then I got my PMP. Mm. certification product management professional oh congrats that's awesome yeah (laughs) so as an engineer i i got my pmp um and then and then i got bored (laughs) 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 so like okay so now i have my pmp i finished you got got the what's it called the astronaut's disease yeah Yeah, i got my pmp i was like okay so like what else do i want to do i have all this free time like i need to do something productive but like okay so what's the next thing i can do how about a master's degree and then i said to myself that's crazy how are you going to do that yeah and then i decided to myself that i was going to do it yeah so the next question was master's degree in what yeah um, so I have an industrial engineering background. Um, it made sense to do a master's in industrial engineering. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to do something that would allow me to be useful in any kind of organization. Um, my undergrad was more manufacturing related. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to be able to do something that applied to a broader kind of um, uh, sets of organizations. So um, I have a few friends in data science and they... One of my friends actually guilt tripped me into the into taking the introduction How to data science it? course. How do you do it? Yeah, she pretty much guilt tripped me into doing it, and like um. Because she was like, what? Like, how do you guilt trip somebody into doing this? Um, like, I can't believe you're going to make me take this course by myself. Ah. (laughs) 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 So I took the introduction to data science, and I also took the um, business process management course, Uh which had to do with taking data and Mm -hmm. converting it into a business process. Mm -hmm. So automating the process of taking log data and converting it into actual business process without actually explicitly um defining the process okay so that, that was that was a pretty good course um i had where did you take these courses uh university of toronto so my okay. master's degree was in the university of toronto so you, you while you were doing a master's in industrial engineering you took a few courses in data science no so okay so my master's was in industrial engineering but at the U of university of toronto there's a lot of different options yeah yeah um within the master's so like the electives 
Um, no, actually, there's a lot of emphasis. Mm -hmm. So you have an emphasis in analytics. Yeah. You have an emphasis in advanced manufacturing, yeah. um, healthcare engineering, financial engineering. So I pretty much took a couple of courses just to see what I liked yeah. to figure out what to emphasize on. Yeah. So I took the introduction to data science and I decided that that was what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I focused on analytics. Yeah. Um, so I did this while I was working full time. Okay, wow. Um, yeah, so usually when people are working full-time, they usually go with the um, part-time option to do yeah, their like, master's. Yeah, the lo longer version. Your longer version, exactly. It takes about three years, but um, I'm a little bit crazy. Mm. So <laughs> I decided to do it a little faster because I, I just wanted to get it done a lot mm -hmm. faster so I could move on to the next whatever it was for my career. Yeah. Um, I saw the value of data science in all organizations. Um, I didn't know exactly where I was going to land, if I was going to stay in my current organization or not. Mm. So I pushed myself. Um, I you know, pretty much set that goal and I pushed myself to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So my original plan was to finish my master's degree in two years. Mm -hmm. And then I got a job in data science. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it was a campus recruitment job. Yeah. So um, usually when you're in school, yeah. um, you have these large organizations come and recruit yeah, students yeah, yeah. that they want, right? So I got a data science job really early. Yeah. And so I had to cut my timeline from two years yeah. to a year and a half. No. So I had to figure out how to make that work, right? So I set this goal and I focused. I think um, what really helped me was my focus. Yeah. Um, I decided that I had this goal. I was already working and taking a lot of data science courses. Um, this was really important to me. Yeah. Um, I felt like this was something I was passionate about. Yeah. So I set that focus, um, put a deadline for myself and decided that I was going to do it. No matter how difficult it was, I had yeah. to figure out how to do it. Um, I wasn't sh sure, um, like I didn't know what was gonna happen. You know, things change. Yeah. Um, but I decided that, you know what, I have this opportunity. I do not want to lose this opportunity just in case that was actually what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I needed to finish it in less time than I thought. Mm -hmm. um, so just like a science, any kind of science project, you never know if it's possible, mm -hmm. but you put yourself on the edge, you know, find your edge, make it happen. So I decided to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So I focused on that, um, finished it in a year and seven months. Well done, wow. So, um, so that was a really good experience for me because I got to learn a lot about myself, mm. how to prioritize, um, mm. how to not listen to naysayers because yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of people that thought I was crazy, but I also had- This is while working full time. This is while I was working full time. That's crazy. And it actually gets better because while I was working full time and you know doing a lot of work when no one was looking, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, I got promoted. Oh, wow. So not only was I working yeah. and doing my master's, but I actually, I was able to be effective enough to get promoted to product manager. Yeah. So that was how I got like officially into product management. Um, so it was a lot of prioritization and, you know, working really, really hard, yeah. doing a lot of things that people can't see. Yeah. But people didn't really understand why I was doing them. Yeah. But, um, it was an amazing experience because not only did I learn the technical skills for data science that I needed to launch my career, I also learned about time management, you know, people like being able to prioritize things, um, being able to um, gain that credibility that allows the leadership team that I worked for yeah. to 
give me the flexibility that I needed to be successful. Oh, okay, wow. So, like, these are some of the things that they probably wouldn't let just anyone do, yeah. but they allowed me to take courses, for example, during working hours because yeah. they knew I had that integrity to actually make it happen. Um, so I think, you know, a key takeaway for people listening is that have that integrity, have the right character, and, you know, have the right mindset. Mm -hmm. If you have those, um, there's nothing you can do because people will actually believe in what you're trying to do mm -hmm. and actually support you for mm -hmm. that. So if I could do it, you can do it too. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I finished my master's degree and um, I decided to take the job. Yeah. Um, go into what was the, the job? Who offered you the job? Um, so I work as a data science associate at TD, T TD Bank. TD Bank. Yeah, so TD Bank is one of the- Toronto Bank? Toronto Dominion Bank. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of the largest uh, banks in Canada. Yeah. Um, so I work as an as a data science associate. Um, it's a one-year, quote-unquote, rotational program. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be a leadership program. So you do that for a year, and then you move on to hopefully a more senior role yeah. um, within the organization or wherever you end up going. Yeah. Um, so I felt like it was a perfect start into data science for yeah. me because... Um, number one, it allowed me to do it not as a regular employee, but as an associate. So I wasn't exactly tied to the department, yeah. but actually get to learn, like try try different things within the organization. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was that was a really good. Um, that's a really good experience for me. So I started there about two and a half months ago, and I'm loving it. <laughs> Congrats, man! It's such an inspiring story. Yeah. Wow. So would you say that you? uh gave up all your pmp and project management for data science or is there some some continuation in that so that's honestly was a very uh difficult decision for of course. me because i was actually on the leadership track in my previous organization um i had a really good mentor mm -hmm. um he was actually the general manager of my plant which is like the top guy in yeah, my yeah. plant um he believed in me yeah. and he saw a lot of potential so he actually pretty much put me in this leadership track. So for example, I got to be a product manager. And then when I was done with that, you know, I had like the next level. So it was a big sacrifice for yeah, me. Yeah, of course. And also um, I didn't know how good I would be in data science because, you know, I was already comfortable and good in my, you know, current previous job. Yeah. But I pretty much found that edge. Yeah. I found something I wasn't very comfortable about. Um, like I said, I'm not a computer scientist. Um, I took one intro to computer science course mm. when I was in first year and that mm. was it. Mm. <laughs> so I had no programming background mm. um, when I started my master's degree, but I pushed myself, you mm. know, while I was working full time. And the fact that I was able to do this, I think anyone can do it. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was a very big decision for me, but uh, I had this long-term goal of being able to do as much have not so much impact as I can mm. and being able to be in a field that was as flexible as possible where I could apply my knowledge in various domains. Mm. I didn't want to be tied to one industry, for example. Mm. So that was the driving um, decision. That was the main thing that I used to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And I believe that data science has a lot of opportunities for growth. So even though I was stepping a little bit backwards in the non-leadership position, mm -hmm. um, just the, the thrill of being able to learn something new in a really good organization um, was what pushed me forward to take that step. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but uh, the, there has to be also 
reason, right? Like, as you said, for you, it was that data science is more applicable to many industries. Yeah. Because, like, otherwise you're just going to end up, like, next you're going to become a chef. <laughs> yeah. Next you're going to become a professional water skier. Exactly. Like, you're just going to change, like, every three years. Yeah. Like, but I can see now the, the reason, like, in your project management, you would have been kind of focused in one industry, yeah. whereas data science has the promise of, hey, you can apply this wherever you want. Exactly. And like I mentioned um, previously, um, I'm trying to um, create a kind of career that has to do with taking the best methodologies mm. and, you know, uh, management and different team styles in data science and apply it in an organization. Mm. So um, just having that people skills, that chain management skills from my previous background with my um, product management skills, um, I think a lot of that is actually applicable in mm. what I'm trying to do in data science. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay, okay, really cool. Um, and would you say, uh, um, so, so basically you're saying those are skills that are transferable, Yeah, right? definitely. The, the project management skills, you're definitely. leveraging them. Yeah. Okay, very, very cool. Um, tell us, can you tell us a bit more like how, um, like for a project manager that's listening to this and wants to get into data science or somebody with experience, or maybe let's flip it the other way. Somebody in data science who hasn't done the education project management that you've done, what is your one biggest, like, um, I don't know, actionable piece of advice on how to better, like what's a skill from project management that you can share with us now that is really useful in data science? Um, so I think data science is largely a team sport and whenever you have multiple people working on a project or whatever it is you're working on, um, it really helps to have some, you know, my, uh, product management skill kind mm. of things, um, maybe not specifically project management, but some kind of management, um, skill. Mm. So being a product manager, I learned a lot about how to take different things in a system and actually build it together to make one goal mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? So, um, you know, as a project manager, I learned a lot about understanding the business value of what mm -hmm. we were trying to do, mm -hmm. um, being able to quantify that business value, being able to create a, a business case mm -hmm. for that project, because a lot of the time I was responsible for finding ways to make things better. And a lot of that stuff was independent. I had to figure it out myself. Mm -hmm. So I had to come up with an idea. Um, I wasn't always the expert in the room for that idea, but I had to figure out what kind of resources I needed, what the cost would be, mm -hmm. and actually pitch it to the management team and let mm -hmm. them know that this is what's going to cost us and this is what value we're going to get. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that applies to data science as well, yeah. right? Because when you're doing a data science project, a lot of the time you don't, you don't know what the output is, but you can kind of estimate a lot of that. So um, my product management background allows me to be able to do that in, in a structured way mm -hmm. um, to understand what the management team is looking for, what their goals are, and figure out exactly how to use change management and people management and communication management to make those things actually happen, mm -hmm. implement them. Um, I think a lot of that is also applicable to data science because a lot of the time they don't understand some of the things I need to do to make this happen and the fact that there's a risk that this won't work. Mm -hmm. So those kind of things are, you know, the things that are transferable. So there's a lot of ways to learn product management. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say 
Oh, there's the PM, PMP um, organization um, certification you can work on. In order to become a PMP, you need to have some experience in project management. I think most data scientists have some project management experience, um, but you also have to learn the methodology. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I personally, I'm trying to learn more agile um, project management because I think that's more applicable today, mm -hmm. especially in data science. Mm -hmm. So that's something else you can probably focus on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. We're, we've been doing agile more now at uh, Super Data Science. Yeah. It works really well. Really it works well. really well, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, what is Agile in a nutshell, for those who don't know? Um, okay, so what I've learned about Agile so far, I haven't really done a lot of Agile, but it has to do with um, being able to iteratively make whatever you're trying to do better, mm -hmm. right? So the idea is you have a minimum viable product, or mm -hmm. you, you, have, so you have a goal in mind, mm -hmm. but you need to understand that the people that are investing in whatever you're doing need sometimes need to be able to have something to see some kind of progress, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea behind Agile is a series of methodologies um, to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, if you're trying to build, you know, like a recommendation engine, for example, you can probably start with some sort of minimum viable product that you can actually use the data that you have. Maybe you don't have all the data at the beginning, but whatever data you have, you can build something really simple. Yeah. And then you can take that and you know test it. Maybe it doesn't work the way you expect it to be. Mm -hmm. Learn from that and reiterate, re make it a little bit better, You know, figure out, and also working closely with the customers or mm -hmm. the product managers, for example, um, because they know what the final goal is. So they can actually, based on the feedback that you get from the initial test, you can actually make it better. Uh -huh. So the advantage of Agile is you actually have something concrete at the, pretty early on, and you're also learning from some of the mistakes, some of the failures from your previous situations. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can actually go do better. And whatever you have at the end is most likely more closer to what the customer actually wants mm -hmm. versus what you think the customer wants. Yep. Yeah. So a good uh, way to think about it to like understand agile is to like it originally. I, I think it originally came from software uh, website development or soft software development, but basically development. And if you think about it in terms of like let's say you're building uh, a website or or an app, then one way the traditional way called the waterfall approach of product development is you, you, you um, put out the project scope, you define the project scope, you do the designs, you put the database together, then you uh, put the website or the app together to work with the database, you do all the testing, you do like as in like that everything, the functionality is working, and then finally you roll it out to your customers. And then your customers say, this is not what I want. Them. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> that's, and that's like the worst thing. Uh, I feel like the worst thing you can do is to build the build right yeah that which is not what you should be building in the first yeah. place you know yeah well the other thing is that in uh, along the way in this waterfall maybe on step two when you're like designing there was a mistake yeah. and then if you pick it up by the end you have to redo the whole thing exactly whereas agile is a uh, is like there's this thing called the agile manifesto yeah uh, that was designed like just it's, it's basically states rules that for instance Agile, when you're working under Agile, you really value customer duration. 
you're much more flexible. You don't care about rigorous rules and things yeah. like that. Um, and so in Agile, what you do is you would, for instance, if, if you're using Agile under the framework of, um, what is it called? Scrum? Scrum, Scrum yeah. yeah. Then you'd have sprints, like for instance, two-week sprints or a month sprints or a week sprints. Yeah. And so basically you need to do that whole iteration from start to finish within two weeks. So you, you put together a very basic design, not the full design, a very basic design. You put a, together a very simple database that all, that's all you need. Exactly. Then you put the, that so a website or app on the database and you do basic testing and then you roll it out to your customers. By the end of two weeks, instead of six months, you're already showing your customers something very exactly. trivial with lots of holes in it, yeah. but it has some functionality that they can give you feedback on. Then you do it again, you improve next two weeks and again and again and again. Yeah. So, in case of waterfall, in six months, you've only done one iteration. Yep. In the case of agile, you in six months, you've done what? 12 iterations. Exactly. Um, it's, it's a really cool, there's a competition, like you know one of those X prizes, like to make, a, I don't know, like a rocket to go to space or something, get a million dollars, like lots of teams are competing, competing for something. Yeah. Uh, to like make a rocket in your in your basement to that will go to space uh, or or I don't know like create um, an iPad where people can just learn English without knowing how to use the iPad like just challenges like that they're called X prizes and I think they're run by Peter Diamandis. I think this was either an X prize or something similar. Basically, it was a big prize, hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars for a team that creates the first plane, solar powered plane that can fly a kilometer. You know, that was like a while ago. Now we have, I think, solar-powered plane is done around the world. But back when, back when this was happening, there was like a solar-powered plane. It can fly like a kilometer, like five kilometers, whatever the, the threshold was. And so what's, uh, all these teams are competing and they're like, all right, so they're building these planes. It goes like 10 meters, 20 meters, falls, breaks, and that's it. And then they do it again. So the team that won wasn't the team with the best engineers on board or the team with the best, you know, scientists that could put everything together. There's a team that used the best approach and they used something similar to Agile. They made their plane intentionally out of like foam material. So every time it fell, it took them like a day to put it back together and iterate. <laughs> yeah. So while everybody else was iterating like once every month or two months, they were iterating like 20 times per month. Wow, like, that's crazy. And so they were learning so fast from their mistakes yeah. and they won because, because that's the power of iteration. Exactly. It's so just like, really important for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so... That's, that's a cool, I, there was a cool article I was reading about Agile in, in data science. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. Oh, that's actually really good. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it check to that you. out, yeah. I'll send it to you. Well, Ayo, thank you very much. This uh, slowly brings us to the end of the show. Um, really enjoyed you having you here at Data Science Go and uh, talking to you about your career and takeaways and also about project management. Before I let you go, what's the best way for people to contact you, get in touch with you? I think the best way is LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my name is Ayobami Ayodeji. I'm sure you have the link on the show notes. Yeah, so yeah. feel free to um, connect with me, you know, if you have any questions about product management or data science, whatever, or if you just want to follow my career. Just... Or if someone is in Toronto, catch yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like it's yep. always good to meet in person. All right, and uh, one final thing before I let you go. What's a book that you can recommend to our listeners that's uh, helped you in your career or life? Okay, so um, I think there's a lot of data science books to learn about data science. What I'd like to actually recommend is a little not exact data science, but so it's a it's a book. There's actually a book that I'd like to rec recommend. It's not a data science book, um, but I think it's super helpful for every data science. 
Um, it's a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, I think Carol Dweck. Yeah. Mindset. Mindset. Yeah. Okay. By Carol Dweck. Um, I think it's extremely important for data scientists because a lot of the stuff that we do is experimental and having the right mindset is important. That's the only way you can be successful in an experimental um, profession like data science. Um, the book actually talks about two different kinds of people. You have people with a growth mindset and then you have people with a fixed mindset. So people with growth mindset they're thrilled about learning new things, right? Mm -hmm. But people with a fixed mindset, they're all about, they believe subconsciously that their abilities are limited, um, it's fixed, and you can't grow. Mm -hmm. So their motivation is to look good, mm -hmm. to prove to other people that they're good. Mm -hmm. While people with a growth mindset, what makes them happy is learning new things. Mm -hmm. So ask yourself the question, how do, what makes you feel smart? Do you feel smart when you're able to do finish something, complete a task really easily, really quickly, um, maybe quicker than other people? Or is it when you're actually able to complete a very difficult task that you've never done before mm -hmm. and you had to struggle mm -hmm. and actually learn something from that? So mm -hmm. what actually gets you going? Um, those are some of the things that, that she goes over in the book. So you learn a lot about Number one, what kind of person you are? What are the different things that determine um, what motivates different kinds of people? But also how to have the right mindset for growth. Mm -hmm. I think this is extremely important. Um, if you're new in data science, I'd say this is a really good place to start. Not a data science book, but it'll change your life mm -hmm. for sure. Yep. Thanks. I haven't read it. I will look into it. Mind mindset, right? Yeah, mindset. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Ayo, once again for coming. Really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That was Ayobami Ayodeji. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. My personal favorite takeaway from today's episode was the way that Ayo decided to shift his career into data science and what amount of sacrifice that required and what amount of courage inherently that had, he had to have in order to make that move and uh, it was a very interesting decision in the sense that it uh, expands new possibilities for him as uh, he said data science is more applicable across different domains and he wants to have that variety and also it allows him to grow further so it's very interesting that when we stop growing it's time to move on to something new in this case not only did I follow that principle? He actually took it a step further. He changed his completely his career, his industry, uh, his uh, the required level of expertise, and also the things that he had to know, the things that he had to study. So, uh, hats off to Io for that, and that for me that was very inspiring. And also, you heard the takeaways from Data Science Go 2019. Uh, it was a very exciting conference, and there were lots of people who had a great fun time. Uh, we had 600 people actually attend, actually take their registration badge. So not just register, but actually check into the conference. And this week we have the super early bird promotion happening. So it'll end on Friday. So there's still two more days to go to get your super early bird tickets for 2020. 
uh, they come with a whopping 80% discount. So if you want to save 80% on your 2020 DSGO tickets and learn a ton, meet people like IO and other inspiring data scientists and speakers, then head on over to datasciencego.com and grab your tickets today. Once again, that's www.datasciencego.com where you can get your tickets today, only until Friday, with an 80% off discount. As usual, you can get the show notes for this episode at superdatascience.com slash 301. That's superdatascience.com slash 301, where you can get the show notes for this episode, plus, of course, IO's LinkedIn and any other materials that we mentioned on this podcast. So make sure to connect with IO. And one more time, if you haven't gotten your tickets for Data Science Go yet, you can get them with 80% off only until Friday at datasciencego.com. So head on over there and grab your tickets today and I'll see you next time. Until then, happy analyzing.